Um, we, we're in a season, the children break up on Tuesday. And uh, just talking to our Alison this afternoon, and she's pretty tired, and I think the kids are as well. Um, so it's going to be the time for the main holiday break. Uh, and of course, people are to and fro in terms of church as well. And some folks have been on holiday, and other people are planning to go over the next few weeks. And all that is good in the rhythms of life. But uh, we do really want to continue to be intentional about uh, church. Uh, I, I made the joke this morning, but it's absolutely true. A friend of mine closed his church down once for the whole of the six weeks holiday. I think he thought he would have been a bit big and, in quotes, radical. And, uh, you know, we didn't need to meet and all those sorts of things. And I spoke to him uh, sometime afterwards and said, so what was September like? He said, oh, terrible, never again. He said, like, literally starting the church all over again. Because there is something about momentum, you see. And we thank God. It was a, it was, it was, it, it's been a, a word that's been used in Arena on numbers of occasions um, but we don't take momentum for granted. Um, and one of, the, one of the desperate cries of churches over the, uh, of leaders even that we come across in context, Christian will tell you, is that for some reason the church has lost momentum. It lost it a long time ago, perhaps without people realizing. And how, do, how does momentum come back in? It's a very, very difficult uh, question to answer. So just to say that um, we... Uh, at Arena Ilkeston next week for the next six Sundays, which are the main six holiday Sundays of the what we call the main holiday time of the year, then we've got a new series called, called Stories That Live that's going to run different speaker every week. And uh, I think you'll find that a real blessing. So it's a little bit of them, but also then applying it to a biblical truth. And here, of course, we're, we're just continuing over the next few weeks with this uh, encouragement to speak out uh, the kingdom of God, to, to understand that we are in a, another stage of preparation uh, for all that God's going to take us forward to. And it's not a case of us being in between coasting, but it is a recognition that we've moved from Field Mill, we're here, we want to get to there in terms of church, uh, but also that God's preparing us for all that he's got ahead. And we, and we thank him for that. And we talked a little bit about last week about the importance of preparation and so over the next few weeks, we're just going to continue to roll out some aspects of the kingdom of God advancing. We're going to have different speakers every week. Helen's going to be speaking next week, which is going to be tr- great. And different speakers. Then we've got Titchfield Park, of course. Christian's going to be declaring the gospel in Titchfield Park, as he did last year. It was just brilliant. It just sticks in my memory even now. It was just a, it was just a, a great sort of time. And uh, so we're just really going to keep on track. If you're away, pray for us. But if you're here, please come, um, because you make all the difference, you really do. And, uh, and, uh, and so we're just really going to keep working that through uh, in Jesus' name. Just, just as we come to, uh, to worship, uh, sorry, or to, to, to the word tonight, as we were just worshipping, I just sort of felt um, uh, uh, Joshua 20 in my eyes is quite a short chapter, but it talks about the cities of refuge. Uh, I just sort of throw it out there tonight that I think one of the things that God wants to do in our church going forward is to make it a city of refuge. He talks about foreigners coming to the city of refuge, interestingly. And he talks about people that may be in danger of being treated unjustly coming to the city of refuge. You can read about it. It was a place of sanctuary and sanctum. It was a place of protection. It was a place where people could come and process their journey, their problems, their issues, and find it a safe place to get to where they needed to get to. And God's going to do many, many things amongst us going forward, but I think one of the things that he's going to do is to make us a city of refuge and for us to be prepared and ready to receive people that need to come to a place 
there is a sanctuary for them, a sanctum, a place where they can work through what God is doing in their lives so that they can come to the place of purpose and destiny. And we pray that he'll do that. In Luke chapter 16, which is one of Jesus' more unusual parables, it says uh, in verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and, and spoke to him. and says, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. And the little phrase that I want us just to think about tonight in terms of the kingdom of God advancing is that little phrase in verse 2, give account of your management. Or some of you may have in your Bible translation, give account of your stewardship. And that's the word I particularly want to home in on for a few moments tonight. Remember that a, a few weeks ago, Christian sort of really launched us on the back of David Hines' prophetic word with regard to expressing the kingdom. He talks about the words of the kingdom, the wonders of the kingdom. He talked about the works of the kingdom. And forgive me for repeating myself, but for people that were in Ilkeston this morning, but yesterday I just had the joy of being part of a, a, a really great day in one of our zone days in London and East area down in the University City of Cambridge. And uh, I, I went to give in terms of bringing my bit to it, but I also received Paddy Venner, great pastor down in Norwich, and also Matt Bird, who's a businessman that started the Cinnamon Network, uh, which is really uh, an encouragement to Christian churches to engage in community transformation. I wasn't drawn into Matt's presentation because I thought, oh, Arena Church, I haven't done anything. I was drawn into it because we're doing the exact opposite. And I want to encourage you, friends, that whatever's happening in our journey of one church, two locations, and it will be more, it'll continue to fuel us. There's much to happen in Mansfield, yeah, in terms of engaging with the community. And I want to tell you, we're going to be intentional about it, and by God's grace, it will happen. It really will. Um, and so if I go back to Friday, I was taking a couple of our young pastors that are seeking to repurpose a church, and they're interested in engaging in their community afresh. And I just took them around the community uh, uh, context at Belfield Street and I just remind them that three years ago it was about six sort of Tesco carrier bags on a wooden pallet and I don't know how it's happened I know that Christian's been brilliant in breaking through and pressing forward with people and connecting in, in, his, in his gift, he really is uh, amazing, I know that people have come and found their God-given shape like Lisa Harrison and uh, she's sort of got a Joseph spirit on her uh, it's just incredible and uh, now we've got, uh, you know very nearly 50 volunteers, I don't know where they've all come from, I don't know how we've afforded all the money, but it's happened. And as I'm there, you know, and, I bumped, and Alan came across and said hello, and then Carl's running the food thing on Friday. I thought, this is just incredible, you know. And they, they were really just blessed by the fact that people have been genuinely born again and now serving in the food bank and in the community project. Just brilliant. And, and God wants to not replicate it in terms of repeat it exactly the same, but he wants to do the same. We've got Many issues in this town, as you're aware of. And uh, God's going to do something really great. So the works of the kingdom, I say all that because if the church went on strike tomorrow, friends, in our nation, there'd be chaos. I, I really, you know, and I know we get trashed at times and we're held up and we're an easy target. And people are making jokes about us and why, why, you know, and all the things, all the debates we've had nationally lately and people sort of making rude comments about the church and remember we live in the 21st century and I can't possibly believe that you believe that anymore. About all that, you know. And still we're pitching up tomorrow, friends, 
all around the nation to do incredible things because the Cinnamon Network, after the vision of one man, is now helping 3,150 churches in this nation. There's pouring 49,000 Christian volunteers that help 690,000 people every week. Just through one guy saying, I'd like to sort of do something that help the nation. And uh, you realize that what Matt's doing is being replicated in all sorts of other ways. And um, it comes out of heart. So food bank comes out of the fact that we found out that people were going hungry. Acorns program that started. Uh, it's very small at the moment, but, you know, I just mentioned to Christian about Save the Children, sort of actually homing in on the UK now. It sort of, somehow it really got to him. It was just, you know, and away we go with that. I'm talking to Mandy this morning on the door, who's just become a believer. She's got a long way to go, but she's driving the van for Acorns. See, post office training really does work. And um, so she's drove the post office van, she's t- doing that van now, and she just, I'm just she, I can't believe how quickly the time goes. Quarter past two, I get down there. It's six o'clock before I know what's happened. And she's just absolutely loving it. Fantastic. So we thank God for what he's doing. And uh, we bless God. And, and the thing that struck me about yesterday was that there's 1.4 million children in this nation that have a free school meal. And uh, they're not glad that the school holidays are starting this week. I'll say no more. Think about it. And... Uh, So there's much to do. And God says tonight, give account of your stewardship. Your stewardship. So four simple things as we think about this tonight. Number one, the realization. What is a steward? Well, the original word is oikonomos. And it really speaks about a range in a house. Or if I can give a more even literal drive down than that. It means to manage a property or be in charge of a property that belongs to somebody else. You can see where we're going, can't you? You see, because a Christian, when a Christian comes to faith, they start to drop the vocabulary of, I'll please myself. It's mine. And I'll do it my way. It might have made Frank Sinatra a lot of money, but it's a horrible song, friends. I'll do it my way that vocabulary begins to drop because we realize that actually we need to do it his way and it actually is not about us it's about him he says in luke's gospel rather in in the, the the letter of corinthians that our bodies are the temples of the holy spirit and that they're no longer ours but there is that we've been bought with a price read it at the end of corinthians 16 and when we come to jesus whether we've been a Christian just a few weeks, a few months, or whether we're on the journey of being a committed disciple of the Lord Jesus, a devoted follower of Christ, which is the passion of Arena Church, not just believers, but disciples, not just people that sit on a seat, but followers of the way. That's the passion. We realize that one of the things that we became when we became a believer in Jesus, and it may have taken us a time to realize it, and maybe you're still coming to a realization, but you are a steward. You are called to manage and to be in charge of something that doesn't belong to yourself. And I'll open that up a little bit more later. But actually, your very life is not yours. It really isn't. You've been bought with a price. And you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as we realize that, then we come to a place not of selfishness, but of selflessness. We come to a place not of pride, but of humility. We come to a place... Not of deceit, but of openness. 
Because we begin to recognize that God wants us increasingly to use what he's given us to give it back to him that we might bring glory and praise and honor to the Lord. Someone says man is most truly himself when he does not strut about in pride or ability or positions, but when he sees himself as the creation of God and submits all of his will to the Lord, in this is true happiness. You know, the battle I find with people that come to Jesus is sometimes this, how much can I give away to God? And sometimes for some people it really is a battle because they genuinely love Jesus. And if something was to happen to them tonight, they'll go to be with the Lord without any shadow of doubt. But the fact is, he's only got about 20% of their life. And they seem to be wanting to hang on to the 80. None of it's yours. None of it's yours. The realization is that it's all his. And God wants us increasingly to come to a place in Arena Mansfield. Say, God, your grace has been amazing. It's given us something we didn't deserve. If I can go back to Matt yesterday, the preface for his presentation was God giving things to people that they don't deserve. And he said, by the way, that includes us. How often we can easily think, oh, they don't deserve it. None of us deserved it. But God giving us something that we didn't deserve. And the gifts around this room, and they are many and varied. Huge talent around the room, huge giftedness, artistic gift, practical gift spiritual gift, intuitive gift, prayer gift, all around the room. God says, it's all from me. And if you'll learn to steward it well and give it back to me what I've given to you, then that's when we're really going to get the most productivity from the journey of being a Christian. The second thing is not only the realization, but also the responsibility. Because it goes on to say in Luke chapter 12 and verse 48, that unto whom much is given, much is required. With the privilege of becoming a Christian becomes responsibility and accountability. This is not to press us down in a burdensome way, to put unsustainable goals upon our life. I spoke to somebody this week that had had unsustainable goals placed over his life for a season. And it nearly crushed him. God's not there to do that. But it's to bring us to a place of realizing that we have a responsibility to live to the Lord. It's an individual responsibility. See, Christian and me and the leadership, the elders of the church and and the team leaders and the ministry leaders, we can get as passionate as we can about the work of God and hopefully you feel that. But the reality is you have to make also an individual response. Yes, within community, Yes, in the spirit of togetherness, as the church of Jesus Christ here in Mansfield, but an individual response. Say, you know what? I recognize that I've been given much. If I've been given much, then much is required of me. It's also an irresistible responsibility. You see, to some degree, you can't deny it. When you became a Christian, you became a son of the Lord. I use that in the generic sense, ladies. You became part of the family. When you became a Christian, you became a saint. You say, well, I don't feel very saintly at times. But it means that you were called out. You were separated unto the Lord. That's all it means. It's nothing about people walking around with a halo over their head. It's nothing to do about being canonized when you die because you've done good works. It simply means that you've been 
a called out one. The Bible says that when you became a Christian, you became a stone, a living stone, knitted together with everybody else. And the Bible says, and we could go on, that when you became a Christian, you became a steward. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with it. You can't deny it, but it's what you do with it. And my encouragement tonight is that you don't shrug it off. You don't pass it on to Christians and say, well, he can be a steward. But you recognize tonight there's an individual responsibility that is irresistible to the call of Jesus over our lives. That we don't run from it, but we run to it. And so, Lord Jesus, I'll steward my life well for you. The third thing to say is that there's a range of stewardship. And it starts small. Because in verse 10 of our reading, Luke 16, it says that if we prove ourselves faithful in little things, then God's likely to cause us to have big things over our lives. And I want to tell you that the bigger God does things in my life, the more interested he seems in the little things. If I can say it with reverence tonight, irritatingly so at times. So when occasionally I think that doesn't matter, the Holy Spirit seems to say to me very clearly, who says? Who says? When I'm tempted at times, friends, to bypass integrity, I think, well, I just, you know, I just, he seems to so show up pretty strongly. I say, actually, I'm really, I'm really interested in that. Attitudes, way that we respond, how we talk to people, inabilities to say sorry at times. Well, they, they, knew, they knew I was sort of tired. Really? Yeah. All of these things that seem so small, God seems immensely interested in. Why? Because he's got big all over our lives. And he says that if we will prove faithful in the small, he'll do big in our lives. And do you know what? Sometimes some of us think, yeah, I think I'll bypass this. I'd like to get to big in one big leap and move around small. Somebody else can stack the chairs. Somebody else can tidy up. Somebody else can be last out. And we think that we can get away with all these things and God's not looking. Oh, yes, he is. He is. And I've realized, friends, that whatever big is over my life, you understand that? I'm not saying I'm big. I'm saying whatever big is over my life, whatever big is over my life, God's always taken me through small. He's never let me bypass it. He's never let me circumnavigate it. He's never let me say to him, it doesn't matter. And I want to encourage you tonight, wherever you are on your journey, never to be inattentive to the small. You may think it doesn't matter. You may think it's a waste of time. You may think you're more gifted than that. You may think that it's getting on your nerves. But if you will, with a right heart, steward the small, let me tell you, you're destined for big. And I believe there are people over this room tonight, I'm telling you, without any sense of exaggeration, that are destined for big. I believe there are people here, friends, where God is plotting a course over their life where their influence is going to be huge. I'm believing over our young people as Christians that God's going to do something amazing. That we're going to have young people, young men and young women that are going to rise up and not have the spirit of this age, but be uncompromised and say, Jesus, whatever, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. And God's, God's got his eye on you. God's got his hand upon you. God's got his spirit upon you. And God says, if you'll do it my way, you'll do big. 
You'll do big because I know that you've been able to handle small. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's stewardship. And it always starts small with the potential of going to big. And where does it spread to? Well, of course, this could be a series on its own. But it spreads to the stewardship of our time. Ephesians 5.16 says, redeem in the time or make the most of every opportunity. Now hear me, I'm not trying to say to you, you know, you should be praying 23 hours a day and if you get a chance, go to work. Um, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't watch the telly or have doubts. I'm not saying any of that because there's rhythms to our life. There really is. Rest days and all the things. We talked about some of these in leadership meetings and staff meetings at church. So I'm not talking about you living frantically. But I'm all about us using our time well. I really am. And for us to see it as an investment, the stewardship of the gospel. How do we handle the gospel? Paul says in Romans, he says, I'm ready. Uh, He says, I'm eager. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. And we've got to handle this good news well. And we're going to try and do it even better in the days ahead. The stewardship of our gifts. And you may say, well, I haven't got a gift. That is not true. That is not true. 1 Peter 4.10 says that each one of us, each one of us should use the gift that God has given to us. It may not be an upfront gift. It may not be a preaching gift. It may not be a leading a worship gift. It may not be somebody seeing you in the church on a regular basis gift. But you've got a gift. You need to steward it. Because it's a gift that's been given from heaven for you to use on earth. For his glory and praise. The stewarding of our lives. Laying up up treasures for ourselves on earth, but laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. What's that on about? It's understanding that there's a higher investment than merely the material. It's not saying the material's wrong, but it is saying that our lives are not defined by the material. There's something bigger. It's spiritual and eternal. It lasts forever. And our higher call must be to concentrate on the things, not that pass away, that go rusty, that finish, that need to be replaced, but the things that last forever. And what about the stewardship of our money? The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. When you realize it's all his, it seems to take some of the sting out of giving him some, of him some of it back to him. It's all this. It's all this. God says that he's given us the power to labor and work so that we might earn. It's all the Lord's. And when you look at your salary check at the end of the month, you say, well, it's all God's. So it helps us to come to a place of giving some of that back to him as our privilege to honour his work in Jesus' name. The range of stewardship could go on. It's huge. But may God help us. And finally, the reward. We live in a society that so often defines, it, defines us by what we've got. And don't let people do that because Jesus actually said the opposite. He says man's life does not consist of the abundance of things he possesses. Nothing wrong with those things. But they don't define you. And I've come across many, many wonderful people over the years that have actually made the decision to give all that up for the cause of serving Jesus. Sometimes in desperate missional situations. They're incredible. God doesn't define you by what you've got. He defines you by who you are and how you use what he has given to you. You see, it may be that the calling over a young man or young woman in this house tonight is to make millions of pounds. Fantastic. But it still will be his. And he'll challenge you on the stewardship of how you use it. 
It may be that the calling over a young man and this woman tonight in this house is to give all that up and to actually have to live a very, very simple lifestyle. Maybe serving in a third world nation. Maybe on those rubbish tips in Guatemala. Maybe helping those kids in the sewers of Bucharest. Maybe getting involved in the street kids of Calcutta. And so we could go on. And actually, your calling is to give all that stuff up. The question is still the same. How are you going to use what God's given to you? The stewardship challenge is exactly the same. Whatever spectrum of the material we may live on. And the Bible says that I am here on earth only for just a little while. Psalm 119 verse 19 in one of the new translations. And God says that when we realize that even if it's 70, 80, 90, 100 years, in the great scheme of things, it's only a little while. The challenge is, how do I use what God's given to me in this little time that I've gone on earth that makes a difference forever? The kingdom of God advancing. Remember last week we just talked a little bit about what the explanation of the kingdom was. It's simply the rule and reign of Jesus that spills out to impact people's lives. This week, people are going to be impacted by the kingdom of God through you. They're not even going to know it. Maybe they'll feel it, they'll sense it. Maybe they'll be on on the end of some really lovely words, whatever it is. But the rule and reign of Jesus spills out and touches them. It's not about a territory in terms of geography. It's it's on about a reign, the kingdom, the kingdom, King Jesus, where his domain is. Of course, he says the kingdom of God is within you. And friends, we want in this season to be absolutely intentional to declare afresh that in Arena Mansfield, we want the kingdom of God to advance. And we'll just be encouraging some principles that will help us in all of that over the next few weeks. That we'll see the wonders and the words and the works and the ways of the kingdom. And I want to encourage you tonight to show that one of the best ways that we can do that is to give account of our management. Or perhaps more accurately, to give account of our stewardship. You see, your life is not your own. It was given to by the Lord as a gift. And he says that when you came to Jesus... He wanted you to come to a growing realization that your responsibility, your irresistible responsibility, is to respond to the fact that you're called to be a servant, to manage, to care, and to be in charge of something that doesn't actually belong to you. It's called your life. If you'll live like that, you'll inevitably bring your gifts to the Lord. You'll inevitably bring your finance to him. You'll inevitably bring all that you are to the Lord and when we realize that none of it's ours we're just taking care of what belongs to him well we'll see that one day there'll be an amazing reward awaiting us that far outweighs anything of this earth and sets us up for all eternity may God help us friends to steward to manage to care for all that God has given to us well because ultimately It's his anyway. Amen.